All right, Scuba Karain is back in the saddle with us. We have some updates on Omni Fantasy from Ben Gretsch. We're going to dive into this rookie running back class a bit. And guys, it's a great time to be alive. Sky Moore and Ronald Jones are Super Bowl champions. Trust the process. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is what? This is what? I'm hot. Anita job. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Gary Tony? You can't handle the heat. He looks like we're finally this boy. You're right. A, a lot of people weren't buying the story, Pat, that you were had this trip planned. Everyone thought you had fleed the country, that you were never returning to do ship chasing. There was a lot of doubt when Ben and I were trying to come on here with a straight face and, and tell them the truth. No, I mean, I did I did actually book it. I believe I booked it before I drafted the team, not even uh, obviously well before the team came through. But, I mean, think about it, conspiracy theorists. Why would I schedule the trip for the Super Bowl week when I could have gone to Arizona and basked in the glory of having taken down Best Ball Mania with all the with all the people? I mean, they sent Denny. They sent Denny to Arizona. I could have <laughs> I could have been there. Well, it, it's funny you say that because I remember when I was in New York this summer and it had to have been like mid-June, maybe like right before you drafted that team, because we did the club top shot show at the underdog offices. And I remember you and I got a drink after and you were telling me about this trip that you were planning yeah. and how hard it was to get like the flights to all sync up. So it was uh, eerily right around the time I think you drafted that team. It was. Yeah. And yeah, the trip that we did logistically made no sense. Uh, like in the sense of like the, the countries that we paired Indonesia and Vietnam and you kind of like, it would make way more sense to go to like Singapore or something based on kind of the, which airports all sync up or Malaysia. If we went anyway, but we, on the other hand, how many times are we going to get over to Southeast Asia? And we, we like Vietnam. So we'd been there back in 2017. We wanted to go back. Um, and so in that sense, it made a ton of sense. So it was a great trip. Uh, did a ton of scuba diving. We did, I think we did like 30 dives in eight days or something. I think we, wow. yeah, it was some crazy amount of time we spent in the water, like 35 hours, because because our average dive time was in like an hour and 10 minutes. Um, so it was just it was the type of thing where I, like, I felt like you do after a really delicious meal where you, you had like an extra dessert. You had you had enough. You know, you had that extra drink. You got you got 31. You got all, all it. Yeah, 35 was enough. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to do something else. But it was awesome. We we had like some real highlights. Um, probably the best thing was like there's these cleaning stations where these manta rays go to like all the little cleaner fish and shrimp and stuff like they like take the parasites and eat them off them. So they just like kind of swim and they hang out like over these rocks and you can kind of just camp out like next to the rocks and just like watch them swim right over you. And they they like come check you out. They're like, what the hell is this thing? So you just like you're down there for like 20 minutes, just like watching these manta rays swim like right over you and stuff. Um, and just it's just a beautiful part of the world that we got to see. So yeah, it was it was it was a pretty good trip. Any any like scary thing? Like I get anxiety thinking about um scuba diving. Like I'm I'm fine with heights, but something about being deep underwater uh gives me a panic attack. Me too, man. There is, yeah, there's sort of a um 
both me and Brittany had kind of moments where you're, you start to feel like out of control, you know, because the whole, the game is sort of like, it's the whole thing is just staying calm and just like keeping for me, I go through my air faster than I should. Like if I was a better diver, I wouldn't go through air quite as fast. And if you go through your air too fast, not only do you have a shorter dive, but it ruins other people's dive. Because like, if you have to go up, you have to go up with your buddy. Maybe you go up with the whole group. Um, and so, you know, the group's supposed to die for 70 minutes and now you do, you do for 50 minutes because you're breathing too much. So the way to do that, you know, you're breathing nice, easy, in and out, you know, kind of you're thinking about your breathing a lot. In a sense, it's kind of meditative because you're sort of like really you're you're focusing on your breath for like an hour. Um, but it gets in these situations and I got in a situation where we got to a part of these islands where there was like some more current. And so in previous days, there had really been no current at all. But then as the trip went on, there were kind of more current as the dives went on. And I was film. I like, we hadn't really used our GoPro much. Uh, Cause it'd been like three years since we did any diving and we wanted to get comfortable. But we started to feel comfortable. I'm starting to use the GoPro. There's a huge school of fish and I was like filming it. And I like kind of followed this, the school of fish like up on sort of on top of this reef. And what happens is in some of these areas that do have current up above on top of the reef, the current is much stronger uh -oh. than if you're down below because you're not protected anymore. So I'm like, oh, look at this fish. And I'm like filming them. And all of a sudden the current hits really hard. So now I'm I'm kicking as hard as I possibly can. And I'm I'm just going stationary like that. Like all of my effort is just keeping me in place. So then I just end up like holding on. I found like a rock formation. I like held on and I had a hook. You, you have like this thing called a reef hook. You can hook it on and you it's connected to your equipment. So then you just get blasted by the current, but you'll stay there. So I've hooked myself on now, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not near anybody. So my group is like far away. And at this point, it's just kind of annoying because they're seeing like all these sharks and stuff and I can't see them because they're too far away. So I'm just like, it's boring. But I'm also, <laughs> I'm also like dressed because I can't like, I can't get where I'm supposed to get to. And I'm like, a hundred feet underwater. So it's, you know, <laughs> kind of an issue. Was so, one of the, was, was one of the thoughts you had like, shit, I'm only going to get to spend like a couple thousand of this $2 million. <laughs> <laughs> no, that didn't strike me. That's, a, <laughs> that's like a particularly selfish way to process death. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there's so much stuff I could have done with this. Point. <laughs> um, but I like there is like the thing of like how the fuck am I gonna get back over? Like I legit can't like kick hard enough. But then one of the things that's annoying too about not being like a great diver is that the guides they're all able to just like move through the water like so much faster. You're like this current's the strongest thing on earth, and then the guy comes over and he's just like kicking around like a little fucking merman. And so he comes, he came and got me, and he was like, "Are he's like one, you know, like on three, you know, he's like hand signing to me like on three, I we're." Like we're taking the hooks off and we're swimming I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we go and we're just like going and he's kind of pulling me a little and I'm just like kicking as hard as you can. And we got down to where everybody else were and, and where the sharks were and we hook in and I'm there for a few minutes. And at that point, 
is when I I panicked. So I'm now I'm where I'm supposed to be, but I couldn't get a deep breath. And you are breathing fundamentally through a tube to no. tank on your back. And you can't, there's like that feeling of like, I can't get a full breath of air. And also like, I'm not supposed to breathe my air. Like I've already wasted air kicking too hard. Like, and you, and I'm like, I'm going to run out of air. And you just like, start to like, kind of, uh, does anyone have like a water gun? Cause that's the point where I just offer myself. <laughs> like I, I can't, I can't handle that, dude. That sounds miserable. It yeah, was, that stressed, was, yeah. that's like, was super stressful. And then, but then I like, I kind of made a noise. Cause I was gonna, I was like to the point where I was almost like, I need to go up and I was like going to signal, like I've got a, there's signals, like I've got a problem. I want to go up. But I like, was like, hoo, 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 you know, and I got Brittany's attention. who was like near me and she like looked over, like, what's the deal? And I was like, just getting her attention, I think subconsciously like chilled me out enough to where I could like get my breathing under control. And I was like, yeah, okay. I like, I, she's there. Like, I'm not alone in this. Like I, if I needed to go up, we could go up and it, I like calm me down enough to where I was like, there is a shark right there. That's pretty sweet. You know? So you kind of like, it's, if you can just kind of get back into the moment, you know, then you'll, you'll be okay. But there are moments that are, it can get a little hairy, but it's all about like, just not freaking out, you know, like the, the conditions, I guess the conditions could kind of, if, if you went ran into a strong enough current, it could, just completely screw you over but for the most part it's just about like it's you it's it's battling with yourself this air stuff like has always been a, a thing for me like a phobia from like if you watch like you know fear factor or something and they do like the buried alive stuff that stuff always gets me. oh god yeah you, i get you too oh that's what i was gonna ask you yeah that scares the hell out of me That'd okay but you were still able to do diving so it's slightly different at least to be underwater i mean I, i'm a good swimmer and so I, I wonder if i would be able to do this is what i'm trying to get to because i do hate the concept like the idea of suffocating is probably the worst way i could go well <laughs> so i would yeah. never I, I never want to do cave diving because in cave diving you could yeah you could get lost and then you're you're in a cave and you'll die so here like the ocean i'm in the ocean but like the surface is above me so there's like there's sort of a calculation of like i'm out i'm going to like i'm going up and you would i was in a situation where i could have ascended slowly enough to like not get the bends but you're and the current wasn't so so strong that i would have been like swept out into the open sea so like i could have and also like my guide was right there like we we would have all gone up together would have been totally fine so I think like had I panicked even a little bit more, it would have been it would have been fine. I would have I knew I was like under control enough to abort the dive. And the surface is right there. Like worst case scenario, if I had gone shot to the surface, there like there's a you know, in, in emergency situations, if you run out of air, like you that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to basically go to the surface as fast as you can. And then you will you will go to an emergency chamber where they you'll probably get the bend so you have to then go deal with that um because of nitrogen pressure bubbles. right because of pressure yeah. yeah you're like a you're like a coke can that's you like you basically shook up and then open um but you're not so yeah. deep that there's time for you to swim back before you would need a breath if you ran out of oxygen i guess 100 feet no you could get to the surface without okay. I was thinking it was like deep and you're like, all right, well, if I ran an oxygen, I'm just, I'm done. I can't get back to the surface. Like, aren't some of these dives like deep enough that you'd be screwed? Yeah. I'm not, people do drown scuba diving. Right. But that's, that's what I've heard You're not, you're, so, I mean, this is, this will probably 
freak you guys out. The couple that the, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jesus. come on, Chris. The couple that we dove with. So the way there were sixteen people on this boat. Um, that you know, not counting the crew. Um, and we were in groups of four that were you know diving, and so it was me and Brittany and a, and another couple, um, from Canada. And the guy he ran out of air on multiple dives. He just completely ran out of air and was breathing off his wife's tank and was like <laughs> talking about how you can tell, like, I've never run out of air and I've done, we've now done like just over a hundred dives and neither me or Brittany have, we've never run out of air. I haven't even come particularly close, even though like, like I said, breathe, like making sure I don't go through my air too fast is like something I'm always thinking about. He ran... <laughs> He ran out of air multiple times and was like talking about how you can tell, like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, those last breaths, they're really hard to to you really have to pull to get the air at the very last breath of air out of the tank. That would freak me out. But you're you do that, you have a buddy. There's like you're always supposed to be like close enough to your buddy so that if you have to breathe off their secondary, you can do that. So there's you know, there are protocols where if you do run out of air, you don't necessarily just you have breathe to off someone else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? I'm I'm telling you guys the the harrowing stuff, but because because you asked about it, but overall, it is a I, I mean, first of all, you don't have to dive anywhere with current. You could just go somewhere where it's like just a beautiful reef with like very very, you know, no current at all, and you're just and honestly, at that point, it's just it's like a meditation experience. It's just you're going down there and you're just focusing on being in the moment, breathing breathing slowly, conserving your air. And it's like, as long as you can just like stay Zen, like you, that's extra time you get down there. And, and also like you, it's not like you're struggling to, cause you're, it's like, if you start to think like, Oh, I've got water in my mask and uh, this is like irritating me. And then like a fish will like swim right by your face and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, I feel like it, it's just, uh, it ends up kind of working itself out that way. Where like Were something, you singing, something cool uh, will come along. Were you singing Under the Sea from Little Mermaid in your head the whole time? <laughs> I just picture us under the sea, under the sea. <laughs> 35 dives in, Gretch is still going the same tune the whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I think I've mentioned this to you, Pat, before, but if anyone, I, I read a, an incredible book a couple of years ago called Shadow Divers about these guys that would do these deep scuba dives to explore sunken ships. And that element of the bends coupled with kind of their desire to find the nooks and crannies on these abandoned ships and try to find treasure and, and buried things. And they're constantly feeling like this adventure pull, like they say something like overcomes them of like wanting to go in the next room and see something that maybe someone didn't get to, but also knowing that they're pushing their oxygen to the limits and trying to see how far can they push it without having to go up so quickly that they get the bends. And it, it sounded insane. Yeah, that type of stuff's. I mean, there's other things where, like, we did a live aboard four or five years ago. Or I was talking to this guy, and he was talking about, you know, you can go even deeper because you can't really go deeper than I'd say about 120 feet on like air, on regular air. But there are like you can breathe like oxygen and helium mixes, and oxygen you can mix oxygen with other stuff that's not nitrogen, which is what gives you the bends, and but you have to like, you only breathe those things at certain depths. So you have like these, all these meters 
that like tell you which tank to switch to. And if you like screw that up, you you'll die. Like I'm like, why are you doing this? Like why? Like just do the thing where you get to like go down and see some awesome fish, and it's generally not that dangerous. But then there are people that hear you describe that and they go, "Why are you doing this? Why not just snorkel? Where you just have your snorkel like sticking out of? Where I could just take my head out of the water?" Snorkeling sucks. Snorkeling <laughs> is the worst. Honest, honest to God, snorkeling. Point was I just snorkeled. It has a, a different limit. Exactly I what a Vietnam elite scuba driver would say. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They, we snorkeled. They, there's like a little hatchery where like the the sharks lay their eggs, and then so there's little like little baby reef sharks. They're actually not that little. They're like that big, or maybe no, they're pretty big. They're like, I want to say like three or four feet long, but they're in this like very shallow, like this little sandy area, and you can snorkel. And so it's cool to see them, but it's like getting water in my mouth, like snorkelings. Snorkelings. Ugh. All right. All right. You enjoy um, snorkeling? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. And now <laughs> the chat's talking about snuba. I what assume is this that? is a hybrid Snorkel, scu- whatever. Scuba? Uh, scuba chasing needs to uh, to end, I think, right now. Uh, Gretch, what's, what's going on with you? Did you enjoy uh, your Super Bowl viewing experience? I did. Yeah, the Super Bowl was fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a good game. It's a bummer of an ending, but yeah. You 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 were one of the sharps though that were on the Chiefs. You had stayed consistent. You were on the Chiefs versus the Bengals. You were on the Chiefs versus the Eagles. I was uh, on the Chiefs in my futures uh, up to their highest alt win totals, which all hit as well. I think it was over beautiful. thirteen and a half, and they went fourteen and three. So even hit had all the had the over on their win total and then over like 11 and a half 12 and a half 13 and a half alts and they all hit did you so, have yeah. uh any sky more anytime td props over at uh stealing I, lines i did not no wow fraud I, yeah i should have that's that was a good one i saw some people on the timeline to add it sure hear some some real sick shit once i got to a few days probably five days into the trip i started listening to uh fantasy football pods and i was listening to pete your showdown strategy stuff and i'm like i'm not even gonna play showdown You're i have no so way sick. to get a showdown lineup in see this is and- when everyone was like oh patch is gonna fuck off to thailand and live there forever it's like no he's way too much of a fantasy football sicko to just do that like yeah I, like- <laughs> I was so jealous of you getting to play 5-1 mahomes i was like that sounds so smart <laughs> the 5-1 mahomes strategy seems so great pete yeah go great yeah, I was going to say I would have rather been scuba diving, but I just heard the story, so I can't say I would have rather. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we got our Skolansky bucks in on our 5-1 uh, Mahomes teams for sure. Um, where Did you end up – did you watch the game over there, Pat, or were you back by then? Um, no, I was – I watched the game in line in customs to get back into the U.S. Wow. <laughs> I watched it on my phone. Uh and then, yeah, in the cab home, and then I watched the fourth quarter at home. That's crazy. That's great. Did you guys yeah. see the uh, the guy? Uh, I'll, I'll actually pull this up. There was a really funny tweet of someone took a photo on a plane during the Super Bowl, and all of the TVs had the game on except for one person, and I will pull this up right now. So you see this, uh, you know, everyone's watching the game, and then you enhance on this spot right here. And some guy is watching Hitch 
on the plate. <laughs> the only guy not watching the That's Super amazing. Bowl. I thought that was so good. Every <laughs> other person the... is watching the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, man. So, you, I mean, how long were you in customs for? Did you legit watch the entire game in that line? No, no. Well, so um, Eva Air, uh, not no shout outs for Eva Air, uh, which I guess is a Taiwanese airline. They did not have the Super Bowl offered as part of the the flight. So it was the, the game had started and then it was halftime when we landed. And so I was watching, you know, I was like fast forwarding through the ads. So I, I think I got through maybe the first Dude. half, but being able to skip through the ads in customs. You have $2 million now. You could have just moved your flight around so that you could watch the Super Bowl. Well, we in a way we did move the flight around. To well, not that's watch right. the I could. Super Bowl? Well, so it was the thing of. I mean, how poor, right? Right. I mean, like we keep saying how rich. I mean, how poor, how right? Poor. They get a we, fly during the Super Bowl on an airline that doesn't even have it. Oh my. Yeah. God. Well, that's true. That was a huge miss. Um, so if we we could have left earlier, we could have left Saturday night, and then I would have been home in time to see the Super Bowl, but. Then we would have not had Saturday night in Vietnam. So we left Sunday at noon, Vietnam time. And then that got us home at like like 8.30 here. So I guess I could have just left Monday. Yeah. Uh, that would probably would have been smart. But but honestly, finding a place to watch the Super Bowl in Vietnam would have been <laughs> a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, that, to put a bow on it, did you, have, did you have lots of good food over there? Yeah. Yeah. The food in Vietnam is crazy good. Uh they have like all these herbs and stuff that we don't really have here. Uh, or just they're like versions of, I don't know. They're just, it's like they got this thing with a purple leaf. They have like all these, I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. Uh, all the food is was crazy good. We did like this. There's like various beef, beef noodle, peanut dishes that we got. Um, the, like the stuff you know about like bamis and chicken, chicken yeah. pho, beef pho, like all that was amazing. Um they had this like catfish, like it was like a, a stir fry thing that you like kind of did at your table. So they like it was like catfish. I think it was like fried catfish that had been kind of like pre cooked to a certain level. Then they throw it in, um, throw some oil in, and then throw like in a ton of like herbs and stuff. Again, like I'm not even sure. Like dill, maybe some chives, and just like a bunch of stuff, and then they give you like all these fixings and fish sauce and all that. And you kind of like make a little bowl with noodle and stuff, uh, stuff like that. The food there was, it, it was wildly good. That and the whole, the whole plan was like, let's do this dive trip. We'll be on the boat for 10 days. The food will be fine, but it, I mean, how good can it be? You know, you're on a boat for 10 days and then we'll go somewhere and we'll just eat like an incredible meal like every day and we, that's what that's we did dope. so yeah we went to a couple of nice restaurants as well where you did like the full-blown i actually had just watched the menu and so it kind of creeped me out a little oh, bit because yeah. it was like full-on like menu vibes with like the whole staff and everyone coming and there's like you know deconstructed whatnot i'm like i hope they don't kill us what's the menu? oh <laughs> that's, that's a horror movie yeah yeah menu <laughs> I don't normally do this, but I decided I didn't want to watch it, but I read the Wikipedia on it. No, so watch it. You, it's an incredible it. movie. I, I, I love it. It got such mixed reviews. Um, oh, I, I thought it was awesome. It's it's okay. uh, it's a comedy. Yeah. 
I mean, some people, it was very polarizing from all the reviews I read. And I was like, you know what? I just want to know what happens. And I read the Wikipedia. <laughs> it's a re it's a comedy horror because some of it's <laughs> yeah. not funny at all. It's, it's quite hard. It's on HBO Max. If uh, Yeah, but is it like horror it. horror or like thriller horror? That's the thing. Like some, like the um, Jordan Peele stuff that uh, everyone always, it's Jordan Peele, right? That, that message yeah. Anymore? Yeah, Jordan Peele. Um, those are always called horror, but I like I can stomach his stuff. But like like legit horror horror movies, I'm like, eh, I'm not a big fan. It's not. Uh, it's not. I wouldn't say it's that similar to Jordan Peele movie. It's more like a tongue in cheek horror movie. Like it's more. It's more of like a true horror movie than something like. I guess it's it's maybe closest to Get Out, but yeah. it's not. But Get Out's kind of more like has like straight up comedy beats where this is like more like a really dark comedy mixed with like a true horror movie. Got it. Um, did did yeah. you guys see Barbarian? That was the no. best horror movie of the year. Yeah, that movie fucks. Oh, yeah. like, Why, I don't like check out Barbarian. Also on uh, HBO Max. I'm going to read the Wikipedia for it. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, you can you can cheat me. I mean, um, aren't all horror movies just like jumpy and like I don't know, man? Like this is uh, this isn't that the menu isn't jumpy at all. It's not. Okay. It's more of a, I guess a Conceptual. thriller. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's um. See, I don't mind if it's not jumpy and it's just like gore and stuff. I don't mind that. Is that what the whole? It's what, not what jumpy. It it's just horror? dark. It's just really really dark. Okay. Like it's about people trying to kill people. You know. So. Yeah, like like the Shining, they called a horror, and I was like, that that movie's like, there's nothing that happens in that. It's like not even that scary. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I wouldn't compare it to the Shining, but I see what you mean. Yeah, like, um, were you guys watching The Last me. of Us? The Last yeah. of Us is. I just uh, started uh, like yesterday. That scares me. What you are get, you? So like, what episode? We won't do any spoilers. For I you think man. I'm on the you, third episode. Okay, so you saw. You saw the third episode. Yeah. I. Uh, just started the third episode. Oh, okay. You'll know. I mean, the third episode is the best one. Yeah, it's good. I have not seen the third episode. I've, I've watched two episodes. I started. I watched the, the very beginning of the third, and that was it. I think. Yeah. But I the first oh, sure. two episodes, there's a lot of like, oh, they're just moving around, and like something could jump out at any point, and I'm just like, this is not fun. <laughs> I want to relax when I watch TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's not out. a show to relax yeah. with for sure. The opposite. Um, I used to love, man. I, so I don't play a lot of video games these days because like I like them too much, um, and I'll I didn't just even play. Know you're a video game guy. I, oh, well, I'm not really. Since I would well, say I'm talking about episode guy. three too. Do I need yeah. to just leave and go watch episode three? Like I'll meet you guys in a little. Bit. You should watch episode three for sure. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. Yeah, I'm an addictive personality guy, and video games are like intentionally trying to get you to play them addictively. So and they and it and it works on me. So yeah, I try not to play them a ton, uh, but I love those jumpy horror games, man. Like there are these game, this game called Dead Space. Uh, that's like you're you're like in a in a spaceship in the future, and these like crazy aliens with all these like limbs. They come like like through the spaceship tunnels, and you have to shoot their limbs off. If you just shoot their bodies, it doesn't really work. So you have to like aim at their limbs as they're like coming at you. It's like horrifying and extremely fun. Uh, but The Last of Us has always been a game where I'm like, I, you know what? I'm going to break down and buy a system and play games again. And The Last of Us has been like, 
at the top of my list of reasons to do that and i haven't done it but this show might break me i might actually start playing video games wow. again so i can play it it seems like i mean you got two million dollars you might as well <laughs> you should just get a twitch account and just like stream video games like 12 hours a day <laughs> fucking mountain dew gives a sounds shit. lovely yeah um, actually you know what if you guys don't hear from me it's not because i'm in indonesia it's because i'm playing video games again yeah. uh but seriously ben, do that twitch that'll work we uh we got the launch of uh omni fantasy 2023 ready to roll we mentioned it on the show uh previously a couple times starting to see a little activity in the Omni Fantasy channel in the Discord. Why don't you tell people uh, what you got cooking up this year? Yeah, I mean, we added a couple sports. Uh, World Baseball Classic is in March. Uh, women's Tennis, which was a popular one. The Women's World Cup. We don't have the Men's World Cup, obviously, because that, that was a part of the field last year. Uh, women's World Cup replaces it this year. XFL. So the Omni Fantasy Cup we did last year. Well, we did two. We did the Ship Chasing Cup and the Omni Fantasy Cup. The Ship Chasing, very exclusive, VIPs only. Each of us three had a league. And we have a winner in that. Who was oh, it was it was uh Kyle Robert, right? Did did you say uh, last time we talked about this, he also won the Dynasty League? He's yeah, Kyle won the Dynasty League overall champ and the Omni the overall. Yeah. And the, the, the wild thing about that is that was only a three-league contest, three 12-team leagues. The Omni Fantasy Cup was 12 12-team leagues. I'm pretty sure he scored more than any of the 12 Omni Fantasy Cup leagues as well. So, like, his team was was truly legit. This 550, I don't think anyone in the Omni Fantasy Cup beat that. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to run that. We should, we'll definitely run back the Ship Chasing Cup. I don't know. I mean, we can make those leagues a little bit bigger. I don't know how many spots we'll be able to fit if we only want to do three leagues for those. For the Omni Fantasy Cup, that's open to everyone, even people who aren't, you know, YouTube VIPs uh, for ship chasing. But I'm going to make those 18 leagues. I'm going to make them smaller so that the draft can go quicker, first of all, because the draft's kind of slow down and back. And second of all, so we can add XFL and USFL too. Because you, you, you ha- some, everyone has to be able to draft one of the teams from every league. So yeah. Any league larger than eight right. teams can't fit these. So uh, it'll be able to fit everything. It'll have all the leagues. Is F1 staying? I don't I don't want it to, but I'm just going to throw everything in the pot and get a stew going. All right. Well, I kind of like, like F1 being in. Of course you do. That's the other uh, thing with it being eight teams is F1's more viable with fewer teams. Okay. Yeah, the gap there's like six. As... There's like six drivers with viable odds, and the rest of it's like a mess. If it's Although I would say, teams, then you have you know a ton of. What were you gonna say? Well, F1. This might be a terrible year to include F1. I think Verstappen's got to be like, he should be the one on one in every single league. Yeah, he should. He has negative odds. He's the first one I've ever seen with negative futures odds. The way that it's... they do their structure just doesn't work for Omni. I mean, I I kind of want to remove it, but I know there's a lot of people that like it, so. I like F1, but at the same time, I just it probably shouldn't be an Omni. I think you got to save people from themselves, Scratch. Take yeah. it out. Yeah. I would say right. don't don't have a default in. Like, if you maybe let people add it if they really want it, but it shouldn't default in. All right. It won't be part of the Omni. Well, it's it's a question of whether it's going to be part of, like, the big cup and everything. Which hey, I, God, I, Gretch, you know what you need? What? Third round reversal. Yeah, people have asked about that. I've put that on a list for, for Kev, but... W- you know, we, we got a couple yeah. fixes we're still waiting to get done, but that would be a good one for sure. 
Hopefully next yeah. year. But the, but the thing, when people say take it out, like anyone spinning up their own private leagues, they can choose exactly what they want yeah. in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll take it out from Omni. We'll leave, we'll leave it on the site if people want to have it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably the best. Um, for, for Omni Cup, I meant. Yeah, yeah. So what? So what are next steps for people who are interested? On I gotta, Omni- yeah, I just gotta send out an email. So I just created a sign. I, last year I did a Google form. I just had people sign up with their name, Twitter handle, email for the larger Omni Cup. I have created that again. Um, I just put it in the private chat, Pete. I, I don't have. Do you want a, me to drop it in the yeah, chat? Put drop it in the, it show in the notes? chat. If people want to start signing up there. Feel free oh. to do so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we'll probably start by about Monday. I'm it looks send... like something's wrong with the form, Ben. It says uh, it's no longer accepting responses when I click it. Um, Paul, was... we we will be sharing stuff. Like I said, Ben has a, yeah. a Google form, and um, we will also do some ship chasing leagues, and then you're – free to spin up any other leagues with your friends. That's the beauty of it. Um, you just, yeah. is it still, you just need the Twitter account, right, Ben? Yep. yep. Yeah. That's how you sync it up. Got to have a Twitter account. It's uh, yeah. Same old stuff. And when is the optimal time to draft? What's the like deadline you're trying to get it in before for on the sports calendar? Well, really the optimal time, it used to be like right after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's a week later now. So now we're kind of already on the late end of that. I'm, this is just me being a little bit behind. Uh, and because we had a World Baseball Classic, that actually starts March 8th, and it's really quick. It's done by, like, two weeks later. It's, like, during spring training, but it's all the countries. It's, it's like, they tried to make, like, a World Cup version for baseball. They've only been doing it for a few years. They haven't done it for six years now because it was supposed to be on a COVID year on, like, 2021, the last time they pushed it back a couple of years. So we haven't had this for a long time. But it is a very fun contest. You have Team USA. You have the Dominican Republic is the other favorite um puerto rico there's a couple and like all the stars play in it like the team usa is loaded it's one of the favorites uh the dominican team has all the best dominican players um and anyway that starts the eighth and they're it's a pretty quick tournament though because they're just doing it through spring training they don't want to tax the the pitchers too much and everything before the mlb season they can only throw so many innings you know so it's like hard to do this type of international tournament for baseball a sport where like how many games you play is going to you know, ultimately matter quite a bit. So it's really quick. It'll be done by like March 21st. If you want to include that, you got to be done in the next like three weeks, which is why these Omni Fantasy Cup drafts are probably going to start in the next week. So we have a couple weeks to draft before that kicks off March 8th, three weeks from today. Sweet. Yeah, we will We will keep you guys posted. If you guys aren't uh, subbed to, I believe in the show notes, I put a link to the sub stack as well, where Ben will send out updates and will obviously keep you posted on the show as well. Pat, people are wondering if you're okay over there. Uh, well, I am fighting something, and I've, so I've been coughing up, coughing up something. Okay, there you <clears> go. <throat> well, we... We will. Uh, it might be a little bit on the shorter side today, as uh, as Pat powers through. Uh, whatever. I did also see in the chat that uh, apparently Dead Space has been re-released. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah. That, so you that just also, ordered uh, an Xbox. Uh, I've, been, <laughs> I've been considering that, and then I was also looking up to see if The Last of Us is available on PC. Goodness, uh, you're you're basically turning into a Davis Matic level multitasker while doing shows now. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, so you said you're grinding pods over in Vietnam. Uh, I know, didn't you do, before you went on your trip, you did a little tweet storm, dare I say, about the, uh, was it the rookie running backs you had started to dive into? Yeah, I think I only did one, one tweet. I, w- I wouldn't call it a storm, but, uh, was it a but yeah, th- was it a thread? I feel like sure it was, was one tweet. I mean, I'll go check. It was the a chain. very short thread if it was a, oh no, no, pulling receipts. Accepting responses now, by the way, that form, if people want to. Okay, sign I'll up. drop it in. Um, anyways, uh, talk to us about this rookie class. Obviously, everyone and their mother knows about Bijan. Is there more to be excited about in this class? Yeah. Um, so I I listened to your guys' uh, discussion. First of all, um, before we go any further on this rookie class, I do want to defend audiobooks. They are books. Uh, I don't know why you guys are such... Uh, so sight focused, you can only absorb content through your eyes. The question you, was, you, do you count it as reading? I said yeah. you can say people, you can tell people you read that book because you consumed it, but I would not count that as reading because you're not. No, you're reading. saying you can't if you read a book. Did it? Did you read that book? And it, you seem very this, on the Pat? fence. If someone printed out a transcript of the Ship Chasing podcast and said, "I read the latest episode of Ship Chasing," Uh-oh. you wouldn't say I listened to it. It just technically you didn't do that thing. I know, but there's like a sort of a, there was just a little air of haughtiness of oh, did you read it though? Did you really read it or did you listen to it on an audiobook? Doesn't count. I mean, there I, should be an air of haughtiness. Like, I like I why? That. Why? Because you didn't read the fucking. Because you have to use your eyes. You. What? What? Is, why are eyes superior? We're not to saying ears? you didn't consume the information. We're just saying you didn't literally consume. You it didn't do it right. Time. We you didn't all read it with your eyes. Pay someone to read There's things no to our ears. All right, we have to read it with our own eyes. We don't have butlers <laughs> to read things for us. You can, there's a service called Audible. You don't need a butler. Are you gonna have somebody read your emails to you now? Is that it? You're gonna have, <laughs> like, I know you're an audio learner. Pat's gonna be paying somebody to walk around with him and read his text to him all day long. <laughs> By the way, if someone transcribes an entire episode of Ship Chasing, prints it out, and reads the whole thing, I'll give you a free hoodie, Ship Chasing hoodie. But you have to document it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> All right, Pat, you are right. It was just one tweet, but there was it was four little sentences within one tweet. So in my in my head, it was like a, it was like a thread, but it wasn't a thread. It wasn't a thread. I, I should have okay. used an asterisk in this just to really, really just go full you. Silva. I miss the Silva asterisk tweets. He doesn't do those yeah. as much anymore. What was the one I did with Fitzpatrick that you just you absolutely you just hated so much? It was a Ziami Brown tweet. So it was a bad tweet in the first place. Uh, Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I did something where it was like I put a note in that I said like perfectly aligns with his skill set or something, and you just like it, it broke some Twitter rule for you that you were just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yo, um, I vaguely, I vaguely remember that, but I can't remember the specifics. I yeah, yeah. you know, I got to be the Twitter police out there. Um, um yeah, so another thing, yeah, another thing that uh, I brought up the audiobooks thing because that that was one of two things that I wanted to push back on while I was out. The other thing was the Jameer Gibbs point where Ben, I think you were you were the one saying that you felt like maybe he's getting pulled up by you know excitement by Bijan Robinson. Um, I wonder if maybe he's getting pushed down because he's very clearly not at Bijan Robinson's level, which I agree with. And I don't think anyone is going to be kind of brave slash dumb enough to be like, you know what? Gibbs is the RB1 because he's like so clearly not the RB1. Bijan's the consensus RB1. He should be. 
there's not really going to be any case otherwise throughout the entire offseason, I don't think. Someone will make that case. You are understating the, the, the craziness on Twitter. You're right, but I don't think that it'll have any traction. Yeah. And um, at the same time, Gibbs strikes me as a guy who's about the level of prospect of like a Travis Etienne or Brees Hall. Um, and I think he should be like a fourth round pick. So to get him now, he's going in the late uh, fifth in uh, the big board. I mean, that's nice. I think he's a, I think he's a pretty strong value. He's a very good pass catcher. Uh, he's a, a solid rusher. Draft capital is not a concern with him. I think he's live to go in the first round. If he has a really strong combine, very, very likely to go in the second round, obviously coming out of a huge program. So it's not like, you know, he's going to get lost in the shuffle. You know, I liked Rashad White a lot last year, you know, as everybody knows, post-draft, but also pre-draft, I was into him. But I was like, there's worry there of like, is he not even going to get drafted? Could he com- completely follow the mix? Juco transfer guy uh, who didn't end up at a big school, you know, gives us coming out of Alabama. So I-, I think he's like a kind of a smash right now, um, only by like maybe let's say a round or two compared to where he'll end up. But uh, he does strike me as someone that is probably this is the cheapest we're going to get him. And he he has a really, really strong fantasy profile. He's a pass catcher and he's big enough. He's about 200 pounds. And I think he's going to test pretty well. Yeah. And he is, he's been going, uh, let me know in the chat guys, uh, what, like sixth, seventh round, I think in the big board drafts is where Jameer Gibbs has been, has been going these days. Yeah. I, I joined a slow uh, and I think he's got an ADP of 59. I made that comment about him getting pulled up when I looked at an early board uh, and I wrote it up over at Signals that had him at 312. This. Oh, okay. Uh, This is a much different price when we start talking about the fifth, sixth round. It's it's definitely. I mean, I like that. That that sounds like a great price. The third round. So that's like where. Like, remember, like Pete, you were talking about Brees Hall last year in the summer and being like, you know, he probably should be more like the third round. That or, was my know, point him. in my write-up. Yeah. I was like, JT and Brees Hall got into the third at various times for a bit. JT ended up rising, I guess, at the very end, even to the early part of the third. But they spent a lot of time in the fourth and the fifth, both of them. Yeah. And so to see Gibbs start out in January at 312, I was like, is this just being anchored to, you know, the fact that in that same draft, Bijan went like 10th overall? And so now the second rookie goes in the third round because we didn't see this in past years. But the fact that his ADP now on these underdog drafts is more like 59 is a lot later. I'm more with you where I'm like, he's he's probably a value at this point, right? I think I think so for sure. And I think like if he were to get to the late third, that'd probably be fine. Like That's he's a prospect. Like yeah. Assuming everything comes through the draft capital and he tests well and everything. I think that's probably efficient. So, um, yeah, I think – He's a pretty big value right now, at least as far as the big board ADP goes. And Bijan also strikes me as a dude who's like, I don't know, he's 14.7 here. Like, that's obviously, it's a rookie running back. It's expensive. You don't typically pay first-round prices for rookie running backs, but, like, I think it's fine. And if anything, like, he's probably going to be more expensive later. Yeah. I was thinking that I was talking through that with Spags earlier today on splash play of just thinking like, I I think Bijan where he's going is fine. I also just don't know. Like he can't get like probably higher than like one nine. Yeah. He can't get more expensive than this. 
There's going to be some point this offseason, whether his combine isn't quite as good as people expect, or there's rumors that his draft capital won't be as good as expected, or his actual draft capital isn't as good as expected, or his landing spot isn't as much of a smash as expected, or there's competition rumors in July and August with whatever backfield he's in. There's going to be some point where he goes lower than this. This is really aggressive. Yeah, that's probably fair. Like, even if I think the hype train would really get going if he went, you know, you see him mocked to the Bills, um, even some some Chiefs in there. Like, the hype train will get going if he goes to one of those elite offenses. Um, yeah. Then he could go seventh or eighth, maybe. He could go a little bit higher than this, but like, there's good names ahead of him. I think this is I think- really frothy. This is like Javante Williams early last offseason. At the end of the year, everyone's like, I think Javante Williams should be a top three overall pick. And then as soon as Melvin Gordon resigned, everyone's like, nah, he's a late second. He's probably going to be a first-round pick, though. And, you know, I hate doing this because this is almost always wrong. But, like, it is sort of the thing of, like, if a team's taking him that high, they're going to install him as a workhorse. But he also does profile as a workhorse. Like, that's the whole reason you would take him. He's like Saquon type of dude where it's like he can do everything. Um, but, so it's sort of like the Najee case, but he's good. Do you think he can go ahead of, like, Devontae Adams? Yeah, I mean, who are the Raiders going to have a quarterback? Yeah, to Ben's point, though, I think it's more likely that his ADP drops over the summer than than rises. I mean, think about how spooked people got by Michael Carter with for Brees Hall. I mean, people were talking themselves into that being a full-blown timeshare. And I realize people view Bijan differently than Brees Hall, but like, still, people will find anything to freak out. There's going to be something. I I, I do think it's possible that in August he is a a clear first-round pick. He might even be the RB one because there's not really a clear RB one. Like, if everything hits right, he could be the the, on average the first running back drafted. But you guys, at some point in this process, he's going to fall. This feels like the early off-season hype that will fade a little bit. I think you guys are right. I think this is probably you. Yeah. You've convinced me that he's probably going to fall a bit like on average, like his, his average scenario, he'll fall a bit, even if there's somewhere he rises. I do think that this is like a pretty solid price for him though. And I think we're probably rooting for a bad situation, a bad landing spot because like he does profiles a guy where it just doesn't matter like he's gonna go displace Brees hall oh no michael carter michael carter was nothing like as soon as it's like once we knew how good Brees (laughs) Brees hall was it's like then guy could have been way better than michael carter he's still gonna be backing up Brees hall yeah i think Bijan. obviously no one's a sure thing but he does he's a pretty damn good prospect like there's a very high likelihood that he just displaces jonathan taylor and marlon mack remember like yeah. People weren't that excited about that landing spot. Um, I, I think we want something like that, actually. I think we want some ambiguity there so we can bet on him at a slightly For lower sure. price. When, when Zeke landed with the Cowboys, he had this great offensive line, and it was very clear that they were going to give him right. 25 carries a game as a rookie. He went, uh, what was it, like fifth, sixth overall on average yeah. that year? Yeah. I mean, he was top half of the first round. He wasn't And that's what kind of had me thinking. But yeah, yeah, that, that's what I mean. Thinking Bijan could go even higher, but that's the nut landing spot and the nut outcome, which obviously he might not get. And I was thinking about this comp too that John mentions. Like, if Bijan gets Najee's rookie year usage, he might be the one on one. Like, if he has a Najee situation and then he's going to be obviously better than Najee, I mean, 
you can tell yourself a story where it's a total smash strictly right. because of workload. And there's just not too many of these guys that are getting this full blown workload. Yeah. It also really feels like a year where running backs changing over in a major way. Um, like even Eckler after the season he just had, like, are we that confident? No. New OC, like they got to get the ball downfield more. Uh, I, you know, Moore wasn't throwing a ton to the running backs. Like this could be a pretty different situation for Eckler. It's a great uh, point because last year we talked about this. The second, third year or round running backs were all like 27 year old and older. That's what you're saying on, yeah. on Eckler. And, and then the rest of this group. And then the young guys, Kenneth Walker got hurt, not like super bad. Brees Hall got hurt. ETN's already had a major injury. Javante Williams. All the young running backs we've seen hit have already had major injuries as well. So there's a lot of uncertainty on those names. We haven't seen enough in their first two seasons. There's not, there hasn't been like a clear changing of the guard of like new young running backs. And the old ones are, they're getting older. I mean, that yep. whole crop is old as hell. Even McCaffrey's kind of old. Yeah. Like, for you know the the legendary running backs uh, stuff that I do, like he's old for that. It's not like like Eckler just did it. At, I think what the age McCaffrey's gonna be, so it's not uh, like McCaffrey can do it, but it's still not ideal. Um, and so I do think that some of these young running backs are gonna just like maybe even if they don't produce like legendary seasons, they're gonna burst on the scene in a way where like the points are coming from the youngest guys in the league. I think this could be one of those years where, like, I mean, Brees Hall, even coming off the ACL tear, is extremely interesting to me. Um, if Bijan's what you're saying, it would not surprise me if he's the RB1 this year at all. I mean, No, it shouldn't surprise. Yeah. yeah. It, he he kind of has the profile. Like, he's 220 pounds. He's, uh, he, like, if you look basically at anything, he's hyper elusive. His yards per outrun aren't off the charts, but they're very good. A good breakaway runner. He's going to have really good draft capital. Uh, you know, he operated basically as a workhorse, not like off the charts workhorse, but there's no real holes to poke. Um, he looks awesome. Like he's going to be good. <laughs> you know, he's, he's going to be good. So it's just, I guess, a matter of, um, you know, where he lands, how much work you can, you can project right away. But he does. He does profile as the type of guy who's probably going to break those type of reasonable projections. So you want, you, you probably want him to land in a, in a spot where uh, people have to project too conservative, because if he lands in a Najee spot, um, where people project like a seventy-five percent snap share type of type of situation, like he'll he probably will have that. Is is he going to be the uh, one hundred and one in Superflex Dino, or is a quarterback going to go over him? I think so. I haven't, I don't know yet, but it seems like maybe he will be like, I have the one, I think I have the one one and the one Oh two in that auction league where I'm trying to out tank Davis uh, and succeeding. <laughs> and uh, I think I'll just take Robinson one one and then grab one of the quarterbacks. One Oh two, which is like yeah. kind of how I'm thinking about that. Um, he just seems like Saquon JT, that level of like, I mean, we were obviously all, collectively too low on JT because of the, the CEH going to the chiefs and stuff. Sean, Sean held firm. Of course he did, but uh, I got thrown off the scent as did some others. And uh, you know, there's, it's just like, that's, I think a really strong reminder that like, there's just not that many prospects who come along that are 
kind of bulletproof at the running back position, and Robinson is one of them. Guys, I'm having What's... a moment right now because as we're talking about the age of the running backs, I looked up how old last year's like top of the running back class was. Of the top seven running backs, six of them were are 26 or older. The only one that's not is Josh Jacobs. He just turned 25. The eighth running back was Ramondre Stevenson. He's actually almost 25 because he, he was a little bit older. Wow. Tony Pollard is 25. He's ninth. Cook, Mixon, Fournette after that. Jamal Williams, all older. Then it was Miles Sanders, Alvin Kamara. You get down to Najee Harris at RB16, I think, is the next one that is sub-25. And he also is going to turn 25 in the next month. Both Ramondre and Najee Harris turn 25 in the next month. In a month from now, there won't be a running back that finished higher than RB17 that is younger than 25 from last wow. year and what their current age will be a month from now. That's insane. Yeah. That is insane. So you have, obviously, Bijan's in his own tier, and you say Jameer Gibbs is in his own tier. Who do you think should be the third running back off the board, rookie running back in these early drafts? So – this is something I'm trying to get better at, which is that I think later I'm going to be in a Zach Charbonnet bear. But now I think I should be a bull because I think he's hmm. sort of like Damian Pierce or um, Trey Sermon or someone like that who like in August and September, I'm not going to be that interested in drafting, but he seems pretty locked in in terms of like some draft capital like it, i from what i'm looking at like it be pretty surprising if he fell like any later than the fifth or something um and he might go in like the second or third so uh i don't think there's like any like catastrophic situations for him or low likelihood he's big he's a hard runner he's like the type of dude where you watch him and he's fun like you're you're gonna have a fun time watching Zach Charbonnet highlights. He he's he runs through people. He looks kind of like like Tyler Algier, maybe a little bigger, um, but he's like that kind of like downhill runner. He's not uh, a total. He's not a zero as a receiver. He's not like a great receiving prospect, but but definitely not as total zero there. Um, and I he he again he strikes me as the kind of guy who's probably gonna be settling into like a sixth or seventh round ADP, assuming he gets decent draft capital. Um, and even if he doesn't, he'll probably be in the early double digit rounds, kind of like Algier. And you're getting him now at like the end of the 10th. So I feel like why not get your Charbonnet now if you're the type of, of drafter who's not going to enjoy chasing like a, a mostly a two down skill set rookie running back into, you know, maybe the back end of the dead zone. His uh, I, I scooped up the Rotoviz uh, rookie guide uh, the other day, and his box score uh, scout sims are hilarious. Like this is the mixed bag here: Zach Moss, Cam Akers, Le'Veon Bell, Kenneth Dixon, and Amir Abdullah. Like, yeah, that's great. That's such a random ass mix. I mean, if you got Le'Veon Bell in there, then it's you know it's a thing. Right, then you could squint. Zach um, Moss is an interesting one because he is kind of like he's got the size, but he's. He's not like Moss. Moss is, was more kind of like a little bit of a dancer, you know? He, like, tries to – he, like, spin off dudes and stuff. Like, Charbonnet definitely powers through. I dude. like the way you say Charbonnet. I mean, I think you need to put your pinky up. 
Yeah. Is it Chardonnay? Is it Chardonnay? I don't know. I have no I idea. Know. I'm gonna say like Chardonnay. All, yeah. All I mean, we just need to get glasses of white wine and, and drink them as we talk about them. <laughs> uh, the chat wants some tank talk. I'll just list off his comps. Another cam maker: Shane Vereen, Jamal Charles, Michael Carter, Javid Best. That that gives me a much better picture, clearer picture of of who he is. I'm not really into this guy so much. Um, okay. Hank Bigsby. Uh, draft capital seems somewhat uncertain. Uh, doesn't there's like a lot of dudes like this guy. Um, there's like a lot of like guys who seem kind of Chase Edmondsy or DeAndre Washington y. Mm. Um, that that mold. Okay, but his name is Tank Bigsby. Can we? I mean, this is the it's Sky War moment from last year. Sickest fucking name it's, I've ever heard. It's the sickest fucking <laughs> name I've ever heard. <laughs> He's he's not like an elite pass catcher. Um, he's pretty elusive, but I don't know. It's more like Darwin Thompson esque, where it's like mm. he's he's shifty, but maybe or Amir Abdullah is a pretty good comp. Where it's like he's shifty, but maybe not going to be an awesome pass catching running back. And then if you don't have draft capital with that, it gets hairy. Um, I think like Charbonnet seems or Charbonnet seems like he's going to get the draft capital. So. I would say he's probably the RB3 for me. This guy A-Chain, uh, Devin A-Chain, is like, I, I don't really get him like when I watch him, but I also don't, you know, I don't really like scout. 5'9", so 185. Yeah. He's like a speed back. He doesn't look to me to be like all that fast, but I was reading that people think he might run like a sub 4-3. So like, I guess we'll see. Like, you know, I would... I would pr- trust those reports over my my highlight scouting, but he's I think going to be highly dependent on a good combine. He's definitely someone who like if he doesn't have draft capital that people are assuming he will have, uh, he's probably overdrafted a little bit. But um, at the same time, in the big board, he's not expensive. He's uh, ADP of one fifty eight point seven. If he runs anywhere near four three, if he runs a four three flat, I mean. That's a crazy ADP to get a guy like that. So I think he's someone to definitely target. Um, Going to be boom bust. And he's like a undersized speed back. So even if he does have an awesome combine, and does get great draft capital. He could totally bust. But uh, I don't know. It feels like most of the risk is kind of baked how, in. That how person. undersized? Like 185? Yeah. Okay. That he's uh, 5'9", 185. Yeah. But um, yeah, pretty good breakaway numbers. Um, solid pass catcher. Uh, his his wow. overall production profile is, is decent. By decent the way, the, the chat has asked a couple times for this year, Scott. Chat, it, it's important to understand. It takes a lot of time, a lot of grinding for us to come up with this year's Sky more. With the biggest bust. With last it, year's LaVisca Chenault. This, you think this is ha- this happens easily. It doesn't happen yeah. easily. This we got to put a lot of effort into this. We got to put a lot of effort in, and then they'll, you know, they will win a Super Bowl. By the way, in the <laughs> open, I mean, let's put some respect on the fact that Ronald Jones now has two Super Bowl rings. Thank you very much. Yeah, the dude is a fucking born winner. I mean, everywhere he goes, this guy has a nose for a Super Bowl ring. He <laughs> yeah. doesn't have a nose for the end zone. <laughs> keep, keep an keep an eye on whose practice squad he ends up on because they're winning it all. Week eighteen, he scored a TD, guys. I think he was really the key. Dude, I absolutely love Melvin Gordon and Ronald Jones just partying their ass off, celebrating yeah, Super Bowl. Good for win. them. Yeah. So sick. 
But like to your point on the prices right now, like Jameer Gibbs, you know, went in the fifth round of this draft, and then you had Sharp Bonnet. Is that is that how they said in the chat? You're supposed to say it. It's a hard T. They said Sharp Bonnet. Um, okay. Yeah. And then, but after that, like everyone's really cheap as far as these rookie running backs. Like the two we just talked about, Tank and Devin, go in the fifteenth round here. So like, if you can squint with any of these guys, Zach Evans goes in the seventeenth. Like I don't know, all these prices load just up on them. Yeah, generally seem fine. To but me. but Char Bonnet, you have to drop a couple of rounds if his name is actually Char Bonnet. As a yeah, Charbonnet. Like that's that's a problem. I don't think we can do Char Bonnet. I take it all back. Yeah, I um, think I might have been being trolled. This was like uh, when I had uh, what was the time uh, Connor got me with uh, <laughs> the uh, it's in the intro, whatever. Um, chain strikes me as a dude like it could be over the this price could be over within you know a couple weeks because the combine like i don't think bigsby or some of these other guys are i mean maybe it's likely that someone has a shockingly good combine but jets us, dude. we're getting killed in the chat <laughs> for the jarbonic conversation well i gotta kill the chat because his real name is zachariah and so all you guys saying zach are just being really disrespectful to his family so if you're gonna come at us you better not miss either Zachariah Charbonnet is a pretty damn good. Zachariah Charbonnet is how we're doing it. Okay. Yeah, I like that name. That's a good name. Put some respect on Charbonnet it. Charbonnet is French for bell cow. That's right. <laughs> I'm saying I'm continuing to say Charbonnet until until I hear Charbonnet. I think that's right. They're, they're, they were saying, no, I'm sure they're right. For, yeah. We're getting, I'm sure they're right. Um, yeah, it, and we will put a tilde on the end of his name too, I think, just for good measure. A chain is right, though. And that's a fun way to pronounce that name. A-C-H-A-N-E. A-Chain. It's pretty sweet. Zach Evans, boring name. Real boring-ass name right there. Um, Dwayne McBride. Uh, another another guy to keep in mind. Okay, speak right. on that. Um, I, he's out of UAB. He uh, Another guy who's very elusive. Looks kind of more like... Like probably like a Miles Sanders type of dude, kind of more of a two-down guy. I don't think we're going to get a ton of um, pass catching. Maybe like a Gus Edwards type of guy. So like you know, not not nothing like crazy exciting, um, but he seems like his draft capital's in decent shape. He's two sixteen, decent size, um, and so it's kind of like a a guy who's probably going to have a role on early downs. Um, he's like going very late 205.7 ADP. Uh, I think, I mean, he just, he shouldn't be free. He's, you know, let's see. Um, ESPN has him as their overall rank 108. So, I mean, maybe we're talking about a fourth or fifth round pick early down skill set, but there's a chance he's a day two guy. I mean, to get, Someone like that at the very end of your draft seems like free money to me. Yeah, he went in the 18th in this one here, right after Trey McBride. Uh, McBride on McBride action there. Uh, all this has made me want to do is just blindly throw darts at all these running yeah. backs uh, late in these drafts. I think that's probably good. Like, you know, there's – I think there's some depth to this class, like in a – dart throw sense like i don't think there's much like there's not a lot of this guy's 
a, a really solid bet, but not a great bet. I think there's two. I think Robinson's a great bet. Gibbs is a very, very good bet. And then there's like some not bad bets. But those yeah. not bad bets list is decently long. And also like all of the alternatives in okay. all the alternatives in this range of drafts right now are guys that we have serious questions about from a skill perspective, probably have serious questions about their role. There's like I think Pete, to your point about just throwing darts on all these guys from a strategy perspective, I think it makes a ton of sense. Like that some of them are not gonna hit. Not every rookie running back even plays. A lot of the guys we were drafting in this range last year, like they get drafted in the fourth round on a fifth round on some team and they, they get like five carries all season. That will happen in a few spots, but there's a lot. So there's a lower floor, but there's a lot higher ceiling, I think, than what like Clyde Edwards Alaire. Like, what is Clyde Edwards Alaire yeah. going to have a fifth year breakout? Like, I mean, he's not a good team, but you're going to, I mean, I just think it makes a lot of sense to be taking those shots. Pat, if, where do you, I'm trying to benchmark Gibbs uh, relative to Bijan. Is if you combined this class and last year's class, would Gibbs be behind? Or ahead of Kenneth Walker? Ahead. He would? Okay. Yeah. For me. But I wasn't the highest on Walker. Um, I no, I think Gibbs would be closer to to Hall. Like I think I would have had Hall over Gibbs, but not by a time. Right. Okay. That's but that he would have been to me, I would have been like, though that's a tier, and then it's Walker and a tier. Because Walker's like more of a two-down guy. Um, Gibbs has got the pass catching chops. I mean, Gibbs, Gibbs looks like an awesome pass catcher. He's, he's pretty exciting. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, like, were people down on Walker because of Penny or were they kind of just not as enthused about him as a prospect? I'm trying to remember why his ADP was as late as it was compared to, say, Gibbs right now. He didn't catch I any think... passes. Remember, we had to talk about how he caught passes in high school. Okay, <laughs> people okay. were watching film of him in high school. Yeah. yeah. Horrible pass catching profile. But also, uh, remember, there's so much Seahawks pessimism. Like, yeah, you know, Leone was just really being, down on their offense and yeah. just projecting them to like just be completely horrible. And, you know, Gino obviously played way better than people thought he would. So I think that helped a lot. Plus, Walker's, I mean, you don't know, like, this guy with this great rushing profile in college, like, is it going to translate? Like, it did. He's a really good rusher. So, yeah. Um, and then would you say Charbonnet then more in line with at least how he should be valued? Like where, cause he's going more where Walker was going at least this time Walker. last year, Pete, it was, it was uh Brees Walker and Isaiah Spiller. And then Spiller had the bad combine. And fell oh out. yeah. And then it was just the other two. Spiller fell out That's pretty right. much after the combine, not, not by draft time, just after the combine. But there are, I mean, that's the the cautionary tale, right? Is right. Is yeah, Leone jumped so, the shark on Kenneth Walker is what we're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, are we are, are we allowed to sell alcohol on our on our merch? Because I'm thinking we could get like a Chardonnay called yeah. Chardonnay. Yes, and uh, I'm probably, probably not alcohol itself, but maybe like a wine cooler or a like wine a wine koozie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there you go. We'll figure it out. I think I think Walker was probably like a much better pick in the range where he was going compared to the same range for uh, Charbonnet. Is that what we're doing? Uh, <laughs> Zach compared to Zach. Um, but like, I my thing with him is that I'm trying to like 
do I want to take a stand against this guy all season who I think I'll probably like with Damian Pierce, I was like, ah, this feels a little pricey now relative to what I think he should be priced at. And then his price steadily moved up the entire offseason. And I always felt that way until the very end where I was like, this is crazy high compared to what I think he should be priced at. So I'm just trying to get ahead of that more with Sherman. I mean, yeah, were you like, wrong on that? Like Damian Pierce was okay, but like yes. he played for the Texans, he only averaged what he didn't run. You were the Five people times. who got think- Damian Pierce in the 13th round. Yes. won a million dollars drafting that value. Like, yeah, that, he that, was a smash early on. Oh, and, and he was oh, a smash sorry. early on. I, I met when yeah. Pat was saying as he kept moving up out of like when he was in the eighth, seventh, sixth, fifth, and then going to the fourth. He didn't return value on that. No, he didn't. But I want to be right twice. I want to fade Charbonnet later yeah, yeah, and yeah, and, be, and bet on him now. Like, yeah. I want to play the market. So that's my feeling on him. Like, if you pull him up, it's just very difficult for me to imagine people not, especially people who know how to pronounce his name. Like, he's, he's just – they're going to like him, you know? He's just, like, a fun dude. He runs through guys. He's big. He looks like an NFL running back. Like I just, I just have a hard time seeing him like not doing well in the off-season chatter. Plus the training camp hype. Like this, he's gonna, you know, he's like AJ Dillon type of type of back. That might be another comp. Um, maybe he's not quite as big as Dillon, but uh, I think he's like that powerful downhill runner that is gonna create some fans. So. I, I don't know. I mean, if he's in the draft capital, seems pretty locked in and with the floor. Uh, so it's like, how is his price going down from here? Yeah, I guess I guess yeah. he bombs the combine. He runs like that's a- what that's about yeah. what Revolt said yeah. here. If he bombs the combine, and it's it's also one of it'll be one of the fun things. I feel like every single year, specifically in fantasy circles, like we get more of a magnifying glass on every step of the process. And it does mean people are getting collectively sharper, but it also means people overreact to minor things in even bigger ways. Because we put this like massive importance. And I think we'll see some crazy swings from like the combine and people just freaking the hell out because it doesn't confirm exactly what we hope they do there. Yeah. 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 And to be clear, like I, (laughs) I'm, this is a player who I'm like not ultimately that excited about his profile in, uh, in Charbonnet. So I wouldn't be like hammering him right now, but it, it's more of a in in an overall pro in an overall portfolio of drafts that I'm going to be doing through the end of this coming summer. This is probably where I'm going to be getting the prices I like the most on this guy. That's where my head's at. Someone mentioned, do you have any thoughts on Bijan's uh, teammate Roshan uh, Johnson? Some people seem to like him a good bit and i always am intrigued by those guys who were buried behind a super talented guy but also had some interesting production themselves i don't have a ton of thoughts on him he's like a that's the type of dude where like the way i tend to do this stuff he's not ever gonna look good like miles sanders um looks like horrible in my stuff because he was also stuck behind saquon so i guess it'll come down to the draft capital but his draft capital doesn't really look that good and Sanders obviously was a second round pick even after not doing much until Saquon left. So uh, I'm open-minded, but I, not the type of guy that I want to be betting on uh, unless the NFL really likes him. This kind yeah. of run. I'm on him. Um, I did want to mention there are a couple guys, uh, Sean Tucker. Yeah. 
was a guy. Oh, nice. The chat's ahead of me on that. Yeah, Sean Tucker, I think, is pretty interesting. I would put him kind of in this general tier with like McBride and A Chain and uh and Charbonnet. Um Tucker is kind of one of these backfield dominator guys. Like I bet um he's gonna end up being a big Blair Andrews guy. Kind of could be kind of like the Eno Benjamin of the of this class. Um not like doesn't do anything like crazy good, but had an off the charts career backfield dominator rating. I believe his his peak backfield dominator rating was ninety seven percent. Probably stealing Blair's thunder here, um, but he's definitely kind of a well rounded, kind of all around type of skill set dude. Two hundred five has enough size, um, and the type of guy that we're probably going to be betting on, even if he is like a sixth or seventh round pick. And so his his upside. Um, in terms of draft capital, is probably not fully baked in. Although his ADP is 140, so maybe he's like a little pricier than you'd like uh, compared to like McBride, um, who you know is going to the very end of drafts. But he's definitely someone to, to be mixing in. I think some interesting comps too: uh, David Montgomery, Duke Johnson, Dion Lewis, Marlon Mack, and Marcus Lattimore from the road of his box score scout hmm. sims. There, Marcus Lattimore, an all-time what if? Yeah. Um, let's see one, a couple of people want to know about Spears. Any yeah, thoughts on that, Spears? that was the other guy that I was going to mention. He's only 194. Um, but definitely breaks well in elusive rating, good breakaway runner, solid yards per outrun, kind of all around well-rounded guy. Um, sort of someone I was, he's much, he's smaller than a big speed, but like someone I was thinking of a little bit when I was mentioning, there's like kind of lots of guys who are like, pretty solid all around type of prospects. He's, but he's on the smaller side. He, I think he's kind of a Michael Carter, Ito Smith. That's one of his comps. Yeah. Yeah. Kyron Williams, uh, Elijah Mitchell, if he's fast. So it's sort of like, there's the, if, is he fast? Cause then maybe he's Elijah Mitchell. Is he slow? Then maybe he's Kyron Williams. Um, but Giovanni Bernard would be like another guy that he kind of reminds me of. Um, and he's, yeah, I think he's someone that also kind of makes sense in, the double, like the late double digit rounds to be mixing in. Um, he's got an ADP of 155 in the big board. That seems fine. Uh, I think after that, I, would, I think it gets like a little bit tougher. Um, then it starts to feel like more like true dart throws, true, like at that point, maybe I'd just be going for guys who I think are undervalued in terms of their draft position, their projected mm-hmm. position not being fully baked in. I don't think there's many profiles after that that I really like, um, like all that much. Um, it's running back. So sometimes guys with whatever profiles like Pacheco, right. They land in the right spot, even without draft capital. And it doesn't matter. Um, and obviously we don't have a combine yet. Maybe some of these guys are super fast, but, um, like this guy, let's see, uh, Penny McIntosh is like a, like a scat back type who like his profile is okay. Uh, he's like maybe like an honorary mention type of guy. Um, but then there's this dude, Deuce Vaughn, who's got an yeah. open profile, but one, he's 176 pounds. <laughs> so, like, I don't know, uh, especially in half-point PPR. I'm not sure about that. So I, I would say it's, like, Robinson Gibbs, then maybe, like, a bigger tier of A-Chain, uh, Charbonnet, McBride, Tucker, and Spears. And then I would, I would probably make bets on guys where I feel like 
their draft capital is not being fully accounted for. All right. There it is. Our rookie running back primer. I just needed some kind of association with a couple of these names. So when I'm in these drafts, I'm not just completely walking around blind. Uh, Gratch, are you getting a little uh, rookie fever, a little dino fever here? Definitely. This has been a lot of fun. I'm obviously not doing a bunch of underdog drafts, but uh, so I'm I'm less like engaged in terms of you're already seeing all these names going off on boards and, and trying to figure out who's what. But hearing Pat chat about it was, you know, got me got me half chub at least. A little half chub. Yeah. I will say to the listeners, you know, uh, I, I I I took a bullet here. I joined a slow draft so I could reference all these ADPs. I'm in a slow Oh, thanks draft, for putting that... ten dollars, putting fucking ten dollars back into the ecosystem. <laughs> it's about my time, Pete. It's about my time, <laughs> not the money. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to deal with these slow draft notifications now for the next two weeks. So, but I did it. I did it for you guys. Well, we can we can do a live big board draft uh, in the coming weeks, as well as diving into uh, our favorite position, the wide receivers. Also, uh, circling back on that form for Omni Fantasy, uh, I just got it in the chat right now. This is to get signed up for the Omni Cup. Just need uh, very basic information. If you're listening to the audio version, I will post this in the show notes as well. I'll put it in the Discord Omni Fantasy channel. Any other uh, comments on the form, Gretch? No, it's just name and, and Twitter handle and, and I think email because I'm going to send out an email to the group. You do have to put an email in there. Some people ask you just wrote fake emails or whatever. Uh, I, I created a BCC email thread to you know give information for so I could keep track of the – whole contest. There's 144 people, 12 teams of 12 last year. I need somewhere to be able to keep track of uh, communications to everyone. If there's something that needs to, to be brought out, there'll only be a couple emails, but I do uh, appreciate if you can give me an email that you'll actually get. Uh, BW says, if you were in Omni last year, automatically get in. No, you have to sign up again, right? Uh, yeah. Sign up again. I'm going to send an email to that group uh, probably tomorrow and, and with yeah. more information, but it'll, it'll, uh, it'll have the link to the, uh, the form there, it'll ask you to sign up again. Yep. Guys, there's a there's a rankings tab on underdog apparently. Yeah, I, I told ever I told the chat to chill out. Otherwise, Pat's never gonna give anybody back. We gotta make him think he has to draft to get this data. I, I didn't have to draft this stupid slow draft. Pat, I'm, you I'm fucking love every you were listening to fantasy football pods in Vietnam. <laughs> you can deal with one fucking slow draft. <laughs> I know, I'll I'll love it. I I took Tyree Kill 105. I'm already excited. There we go. Love it. Love it. Uh, anything else on uh, on your guys' radar? Anything uh, to plug here? Nope. Drive to Survive's coming back on Netflix. Get excited. Wow. Yeah. No, because, Pat, we're trying to help Ben out with getting people to chill out about F1 and Omni, <laughs> and you're just like, let's get all hyped about F1 again. <laughs> well, F1's amazing, and Drive to Survive's even better. So I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a bad fit for Omni. Because it's a super top-heavy sport, but it's still a great sport. Watch it. Uh, there's no entry fee to Omni. Obviously, if you do your own separate leagues and you want to do a buy-in or whatever with your friends, just like you would a fantasy league, you're welcome to. We can maybe throw in some prizes for uh, the Ship Chasing Cup uh, when we swing spin that up. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, weird question. What do you guys think about Dynasty Rookie Draft before real NFL Draft? I don't like a 
specific rookie draft before NFL draft, but I am pro startup I, draft. I like NFL that draft. actually. I have a couple leagues that do that, and I really enjoy. And the the oldest dynasty league I'm in has always done that, and I've always really enjoyed the pre real draft rookie draft. It creates more values. I mean, if you're plugged in, there will be some people in your league that aren't as plugged in, and they kind of just grab some hype guys that it's become kind of clear, like from their combine and their pre offseason stuff. Like if they don't get great capital, they're going to be like complete boss and they'll go super high and you get, these are the types of leagues where like, because of Pat's work, I was getting like Ramondre in the third round every time. And I was like, this is awesome. So. There's a much bigger edge yeah. doing it before the NFL draft because draft capital is the biggest um, signal. Like any model that you build would have draft capital right. as the number one thing um, if you're trying to predict anything. And so to have that not there as like, you know, the, the training wheels for everybody, then you actually, I mean, you, you obviously, to Ben's point, you want to be thinking a lot about who's going to have good draft capital, who had a good combine and, and trying to factor that in. But if you have an edge in, in general, that I think that edge will be magnified pre-draft. I mean, my, my, the favorite thing to do, I love doing the startup drafts that include the rookie picks themselves and not the players. That's, fun, That's really fun. Um, I think even like ETR's rankings, I think they generally like slot the in their dynasty rankings, like the rookie picks value within like the existing veterans. I think that's always a cool way to look at it. That's always fun. And I would always say I've screwed that up with those picks. It is it's it's intuitive, but you, you can, you know, I've made the mistake. Those picks are more valuable than whatever player you like at that pick, right? Like the, your fifth, wherever you have your fifth rookie, the one Oh five is more valuable than that fifth rookie because it's a liquid asset that you can trade. Um, maybe the guy who you like fourth falls to fifth, especially if you get to eighth, ninth, like that picks more valuable than your eighth or ninth. Value or somebody got. you're down on, somebody else is high on and values higher at 105 than, than you particularly value the 105. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, your, your seventh ranked guy is someone else's fifth, and they're higher than where you see your fifth guy. Exactly. Yeah. No one, everyone else isn't drafting off your board. So, yeah. um, you can get like, if you, if, even if you see like a decent tier break after seven or something, like the 108 can still be really valuable because you might be getting one of your top seven guys. All right, guys, we're going to power it down. Thank you for hanging out tonight, chat. Thank you for roasting us for our brutal pronunciations. We will get there one show at a time. Zachariah <laughs> Chardonnay. <Charbonnet. himself. laughs> uh, be safe out there with your scuba diving. Don't get the bends. Don't come up too quickly. Make sure you pace your breathing. For Gretch, for Pat, I'm Pete. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. Peace. <laughs>